Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. All right. So far, uh, we've talked about the section in uh, Matthew 5, talking about two metaphors that Jesus uses in talking about us as the church. He uses the metaphor of salt and the metaphor of light. And last week, I talked about the metaphor of salt. Last week, I talked about one element of the, of the, the element of salt. Last week, I talked about one point of salt. I'm going to give you the other two that I didn't give you last week, but I'm not going to preach these because these could be sermons all on their own. But I do want to give them to you so that you can have them, you can process them and pray through them in your life. But we talked about this. The first of these is we talked about the flavor of the kingdom and we talked about the flavor of the Holy Spirit. That for us to be able to impact the world and to flavor the world with the presence of God, it takes the Holy Spirit inside of us to be able to do that. So we talked about the importance of this. Now, how many of you, because we talked about kind of the approach to God and how this can kind of change how we approach God, how many of you would say that you went away and and, and thought through that and maybe it even affected a little bit of your approach to God this last week? Okay, awesome, awesome. My, my, My hope is that every time you walk away from one of these messages, that that's what happens that there's something that you can grab a hold of and take into your week to really apply to your life and to see God do something in your life, right? We don't just wanna be hearers of the word, we wanna be doers of the word, right? We want that what we hear on Sunday to shape and to transform our life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, so just have that as we go through. Okay, the second of these is the flavor of holiness, the flavor of holiness. And what's really cool, Ellie and I did talk about this, But as I think about holiness, I'm literally in my notes is the same thing that Ellie shared at the transition, okay? It's the idea of being set apart. Do you in your life have the flavor? Does your life show that you're set apart? Does it show something different? Now, I wanna be very clear here that we can often equate holiness with perfection. That's not what he's talking about. Holiness is the idea that we are set apart because of Christ. Now, that does have an effect in our life. But God has never called us, and Jesus never has never called us to a life of perfection. He has never called you to a life of perfection. He's called you to a life of surrender because a life of surrender allows your life to be transformed into the holiness of Christ. There's a verse in the Bible, and I don't have it on here because I took it off because I wasn't going to preach it. Rats. (laughs) In Lamentations, there's a passage where it says, God's saying, now I want you to, to be holy like I am holy. And we can read that and go, okay, all right, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to be holy. I'm gonna do my best to do a little better. You know, like, okay. It's not saying that at all. The declaration of the Lord over his people is actually in this tense. He says, you will be holy. He's declaring it over his people. Lamentations was way before Jesus. So what's he saying? 
my people will be holy, like I am holy. How? Because my son's coming. And because of my son and because of the cross, you will be holy. There's a, there's a purification work that he wants to do in our life. And it's so much more about the work of the Holy Spirit than it is what we live and how we do the things and all this. Now, now, is, now don't get me wrong here. Do we and are we asked to live life differently? Yes. Yes, the Bible is very clear on how you're to live. The Bible is very clear about the things to allow in your life and the things to push away from your life. The Bible is very clear about that. But the reason is, is because it's a result of what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. Because if all you do every day is to wake up and say, I'm gonna just, today I'm gonna work really hard and be imperfect, that'll get you to about breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody ever tried to do that? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna work really hard at being good today. Never works, does it? No. In fact, the days I try, I'm actually worse than the days I don't try. But it's the holiness of God in us. Psalm 14 says this, that all have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who is good, not even one. That means on your best day, you're not good. Be encouraged. But you are because of Christ. Holiness and influence are connected. I could preach this all day long, but I will say this, that I believe, and I've heard this from trusted voices and prophetic voices that I've heard, that we are on the cusp of the next great awakening of God in our world. We are on, we are on it's on the horizon. The next move of the Holy Spirit, the next wave of revival is going to sweep through. It's, it's right, it's right there. Everybody that I've heard talk to and, and, and heard that, that is reading and, and discerning this says, God is getting ready to do something great. And what God is looking for is a church set apart. That as he comes and begins to pour out his spirit and in the last days, which we believe these are the last days, I will pour out my spirit. This is what the book of Joel says. This is God saying, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will see dreams and dream dreams and all of this kind of stuff. And I will show wonders in the signs and, and in the heavens. The whole point is this. He's getting ready to do something and he wants a church that will say, we will be set apart. And we will allow the Holy Spirit to season and salt us so that we can go out and season and salt the world. He's looking for a church that's ready to make some big decisions about life. God is looking for a church to be willing to push some things aside and pursue, listen to my word, pursue, not achieve, some things that will give greater influence than ever before. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna have the ability to push aside some things that have kept us distracted and bound and held up to remove and to impact our influence. And the Holy Spirit will allow us to pursue some things that will give us an influence into the world around us. It's actually really exciting. So the flavor of holiness, the flavor of holiness. A lot more that could be said about this, but I hope you hear my heart. It's not saying perfection. Holiness is not perfection. 
but it is allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in your heart that does have a transforming effect in how you live. And it will cause you to do things different, to make different choices about things, to, to not do certain things. You know, you know where holiness stems from? And I said it before, surrender. Surrendering of, of your will. Not, not my will, Lord, but your will. It's, it's surrendering of those things that, that we have expectations of them being a certain way. We hold on to those. God's saying, surrender those so that, you can, so that my light and my power can work in your life. It's surrendering our comfort, the things that we really, really like. Surrendering those to say, listen, God, whatever you want to do in me, whatever refinement you want to have, have I gotten too comfortable in the things that I own? Okay, would you make me holy? It's doing that. You guys okay? Okay. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's not a heavy-handed, everyone go out this week and be holy, right? You hear what I'm saying? Okay, all right, good. And finally, the flavor of love. The flavor of love. I would say that this is probably the most important, and I didn't put it last because of importance, but I put it last because it's foundational. It is so important for everything that we do to be grounded in love. You can be holy, and if you don't have love, it really doesn't come across very good. Right? You have to have this, this love seasoning and flavoring your life. And the only way to be able to do that and pour out that love is when we first experience that love from Christ to us. When we actually understand the depth and the width and the grandeur of the love of God for us, it's the only place that we can actually move from. But how many of you know that's really hard to do sometimes? It's really hard to actually capture the love that God has for us. His love never changes. And our understanding of that needs to grow and grow Check this out. This is why love is so important. The flavor of love. The flavor of love is so important to the world. This is why. Romans 2 says this. Or do you despise the riches of his, meaning God's, kindness, restraint, and patience? Not recognizing that God's, listen to this, God's kindness is intended to lead to repentance. His kindness His love is what draws people to a place of repentance from the sins, repentance from the things they carry to understanding and accepting the love of Christ, which leads to holiness. Because as we surrender, we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and transform us into the holiness of Christ. So we allow us to do this with the love of God. Mark 12 says this, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Greatest commandment. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. There are no other commands greater than these. So, how do we live a life that's salty, allow the Holy Spirit to flavor our lives, and carry with us the Holy Spirit that can impact those around us? Live a life that allows our lives to be set apart, holy, purified from all unrighteousness and let the power of God flow through us to purify us, to set us apart as a, as a, as a flavoring component to the world and be flavored by love. Let the love of Christ flavor your life 
and then turn around and let that flavor other people. I realized a really, really basic, tangible way of this that I realized I need to grow in the flavor of love in my life because I went and put a One Life sticker on the back of my car. (laughs) Well, when you do that, uh, it kind of affects the way you drive a little bit. Or should. (laughs) Uh, just, just a small flavor, you know. Does, does my driving give off the flavor of the love of Jesus? <laughs> That's a real sobering question to ask yourself sometimes. Uh, it's, it's great. I got, I got blasted the other day from doing something, and it was everything in me just to be like, Jesus loves you, you know. Anyway, <clears throat> flavored with the love of Christ. Dumb illustration, but it works. All right. There's salt. Now, we're going to jump in for the remainder of our time today with the second part, which is light. Light. Salt and light. These two metaphors work really, really well together because they're related. And this is what I mean by this. Salt speaks of influencing the people in our lives with the unconditional love of Christ through our good deeds. Okay? It speaks of influence. How is the influence of your life impacting the people around you? based off of what you do, how you live, how you treat other people, how you go about your day, okay? Now, light, light brings knowledge and understanding of Christ to be a witness to God's word, especially to salvation. So salt is the influence of the gospel at work in you, and light is the word of God that shines through you to the world. You carry both at the same time, and both are reliant on one another. This is how that relationship is between salt and light. Now, when we talk about light, this is really, really cool. Proverbs 4 says this, that the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shining brighter and brighter until midday. But the way of the wicked is not, or is like the darkest gloom. They don't even know what makes them stumble. So, so, Those, and as we follow Christ and as we allow our lives to be transformed by the power of God in us, then we become brighter and brighter and brighter. And and some of that is really, really easy to see because our world is getting darker and darker and darker. And when the world gets darker and darker, the light naturally is lighter and lighter. But what I actually think about that is the world does get darker, but it's not that we stay the same. It's we get brighter and brighter. As we allow the Holy Spirit to transform our lives, as we spend time in this, as we allow the word of God to transform and to change our life, then our lives get brighter and brighter. Why? Because we have a greater knowledge of Jesus through the word of God. And so as we grow in this understanding of of the Bible and as we grow in the understanding of the gospel and salvation, then it naturally comes out of us. And then when we're living in a world that is really, really dark right now, we can be a light because it naturally is what comes out of us, this light that Christ has put in us. Now, light is for two purposes, two purposes. The first is this, light, or I'll give them to you together. Light reveals what is true and exposes what is not. This is the purpose of light. It reveals what is true, and it exposes what is not. I'm going to break these apart for us here for the remainder of our time. The first of these is that we 
reveal the light of Christ. We reveal the light of Christ. This is what we're called to do. Genesis, and or the, the, before I get there, this is, this is something that's really, really cool to me, but I also think it's very sobering. And I find in my, my own life that I have to constantly come back to a place of saying, God, I, I really need you to help me to do that. Because on my own, I don't know if I can shine that light all the time. Out of my own strength, out of my own virtue. But here's what I notice. The more that I get into the word, and the more that I let the word go into me, then this is what naturally will come out of me, okay? This is what will naturally come out. The more of this you put in yourself, the more that the Holy Spirit will be able to pull out. And the more that you will have to be able to influence the world around you with light. Now, here's what's really cool about light. From the beginning of time, <laughs> we see this metaphor of light all the way back to Genesis 1, verse 3. Verse three. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, get this. He hadn't created the sun yet. So what was the light? What was that all about? The light that appeared was the presented light of Christ. God didn't create Jesus. Jesus was there. But when he said, let there be light, it was the presentation of light to the world. Jesus present at creation, the light. And then when we move forward to the birth of Jesus and the prophecies about Jesus, in Isaiah 9, it says this, the people who walking in darkness have seen a great light and a light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Genesis, we see the light. The prophecies of Jesus coming to earth was the light. And then we go to the end of time in Revelation 21, and we see this. It's this scene around the throne room, the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. And it says that the city, the city in the new Jerusalem, does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. Why? Because the glory of God illuminates it. And its lamp is the lamb. From the beginning to the end, Jesus is the light. In our world today, what the world needs is the light of Jesus. In the darkness that we face on a day-to-day basis, what they need is the alpha and the omega, the light that was present at creation and will be present when we stand before God in heaven. What they need is the light that penetrates every dark situation of light, of life. What they need is the light that will not be quenched from the beginning of time to the end of time. The light of Jesus reigns and stands supreme above everything else. This is, this is the light. Now, now, here's what's really cool. Um, Everyone know what one of these is? This is a prism, okay? So everyone familiar with with a prism? Okay. Here's what's really cool about a prism in this narrative. Um, Jesus, the light, existed from the beginning of time 
all the way through. The light source is the Son of God. He's the light. He's the light. He's the light. He's the light. Am I the light? No, I'm not the light. He's the light. Right? Is the sun the light? Well, naturally speaking, he's the light. So how do we play a role in this? We're called to be one of these. Here's what's cool about a prism. Prisms produce no light of their own. This is a piece of glass. And if I don't have any light source in it, it's worthless. It's a nice paperweight, but it does not do what it was designed to do. However, let's see if I can still do this. I practiced this last week, so we'll see if this works. And, the, and, and uh, it, where'd it go? The, the, wait, where, where'd it go? Anyway, I'm not going to spend the whole day searching for this, I'm telling you that right now. Anyway, when this breaks open, it reveals the rainbow. It, re- it reveals all of the facets of color that are found in light. We are called to be prisms. When the light of Christ shines through us, we refract the glory of God. That's what it's called. When it breaks out all of the colors and you see the beautifulness of light, God has designed us as his creation to reveal his glory to the world. But it's his light that is sourced in us that we then, in the multifacet of how we're created and everything that he's designed us to be, that we break that out into the beauty and the grandeur and the color that is God. This is, this is what we're called to be, is this prism. Thank the Lord that we are not designed and called to be our own light source. Thank the Lord that it's not up to me to just be the best light source to the world that I can. Thank the Lord that I'm called to refract his light to the world. This is what we're called to do. Um, I think that, that for us, being carriers of the light of Christ um, is pretty powerful because John 1, in John 1, where it talks about Jesus being the light of the world, and you can pull that up, Lane, go to that. There you go, thank you. It says that the light, Jesus, shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Anybody ever ever um, gone into a, a cave, like a really, really, really deep cave? And you've gone in before, and then what does the guide tell you to do? Or if you're with someone, everyone turn off your lights. You know, it's like, who in the world made this guy in charge? Uh, and, and he's like, no, 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 do it, do it, it'll be awesome. And you're like, yeah, no, it won't. I've done it twice. And the second time I was like, no, I'm leaving it on in my pocket, because if it all goes out, I want this one to still work. But he ever turn it off, and what happens? It is pitch black. There's no light. Your eyes can't even adjust to anything because there's nothing there, right? And this is what happens is in the world that we are in, a lot of times we may think that we have this light that shines to the people around us, but really it does nothing to penetrate the darkness on our own. But it's only when we allow the light of Christ to shine through us that then it penetrates darkness. The light of Christ is the only thing that can penetrate the impenetrable darkness. 
Because we live in a world that right now has a lot of darkness, a lot of impenetrable darkness, and the only thing that we can carry is the light of Christ. What is the light of Christ? It's this right here. It's the word of God. It's the word of God that causes us to live differently. It's the word of God that we carry on our tongue to speak into people's lives. It's being ready in a situation. So if you walk into a situation on your daily basis and someone's having a hard time and they're fighting through life and they're having a real hard time trying to discern and figure out what they're supposed to do, then the first word on your mouth comes right from here and you're able to bring truth to that situation. Not your thoughts, not everything that you've got going on in your head, but the truth of scripture because that is what brings hope to life. That is what brings joy to life. That's what brings peace and that's what brings fulfillment. It's not what you care but it's the word of God inside of you that actually brings that. And so for us, we need to actually understand that if we're to have any potency in darkness, if we are going to penetrate the impenetrable darkness, it has to be this. It has to be this. We can't come up with it on our own. So we reveal the light. We reveal what is true. Um, I think you would agree, we live in a world right now, that there isn't a whole lot of absolute truth. You get to decide what your truth is. You get to make up whatever you want and call it truth. Well, what's it based off of? How I feel. I'm not, I'm not trying to, but I'm gonna go there because this is the world we're in. And if we're called to be light in the darkness, we better carry the truth with us. Our lives had better be grounded on the truth. Because I'm just going to say this. Your truth that is not grounded in Scripture won't hold up in front of the throne of God someday. He's going to poke holes in it all day long. But, but God, I was, I was good and then I did this, and then I thought this part was really good, so I put that together, and I wove together this whole like, way of living, and he's going to look and go, that's, that's not true. For us, we need to ground our lives to truth. What God's looking for is he's looking for his church to be people that are not afraid to be grounded here, even when it goes against culture, even when it goes against what you hear other people say, even when you're in your workplace and everyone's like, right, isn't that church stuff and that Bible stuff? Like, right, isn't that crazy? It's a little hard-handed, right? You can sit and go, actually, I live my life according to it. Let us not be people that are quiet about the truth that we hold to. I'm not saying go down to the street corner after church and just blast out everything with no love. Remember, we're supposed to be flavored and seasoned with love and display the truth at the same time. Yes. That, 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 that's what we're called to do, right? But you, love is not love if you don't pair it with truth. It's just allowance for things. You guys okay? Yeah. Try not to be too heavy-handed, but I am trying to be handed. The last thing that light does is it exposes the lies of the enemy. It exposes the lies of the enemy. When we carry the truth of God inside of us and the truth of the word, we reveal truth and we expose where the enemy is at work. Yes. 
You guys remember, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll say it's kids so that it's not, if this is currently something you still struggle with, just, just say it's a kid. Remember when your mom would say, hey, put your clothes away before you go to bed in your room, right? Did you know the reason that she was doing that was not to clean your room? It's so after the light goes out and you sit there and there's your clothes that turn into a monster and you can't sleep. That's why, that's why she said, put your clothes away, because she didn't want you to be up all night scared of a monster that's a pile of underwear. So what, is, what does the word do? Exposes the monster for what it really is. A pile of laundry. Ephesians says this, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. One life, walk as children of the light. Filled, empowered, equipped with the word of God. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. We're called to expose the works of the enemy and to bring light into those situations. Looking back at the temptations of Jesus when he was tempted by the devil, we know this from reading our Bible. How did Jesus respond? He responded with what? The word, right? Now, here's the cool thing, is that when Jesus responded with the word, wasn't a whole lot that the enemy could do. I want to say this over your life today. That when you declare over yourself, over your family, over your mind, over your faith, the word of God, there's not a whole lot that the devil can do. Like, like really, there isn't. We expose those lies. Um, we all have lies that try to, to weigh in on us at certain times. The lie that we're not gonna make it, the lie that we're not good enough, the, the lie that, that is just pointless. Why what, what, just give up on the whole thing, right? We all carry some of these lies that battle in our minds at different places, right? Would you say that? Would you agree? We all have kind of our lies that the enemy likes to use. My encouragement to us today is to increase this to diminish that. Because over time, the more you get this in your system, the more this is going to be where your brain goes to. You're not good enough. Yes, I'm a child of God in Christ. I have everything for life and godliness. You're going to be defeated. No, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I've got, I've got anxiety. I give you peace. Peace that the world doesn't understand. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. It creates a new pathway that we just go there. And the lies of the enemy come. Our default is to the word of God. I want to I close by, by sharing some statistics, and I do not mean these to condemn, but these were really sobering. And I want to share it with us as a church because I really think God is challenging us as a church. Again, great awakening is on the horizon. And he wants his church to be ready. 
In uh, April of this year, the American Bible Society wrote their annual report. And they said this, that during COVID, 26 million Americans stopped reading the Bible. 26 million just stopped, didn't read it at all. In 2021, about 50% of Americans say they read the Bible on their own at least three or four times per year. Glad they set that bar so high. That percentage had stayed more or less steady since 2011, but in 2022, it dropped 11 points. Now only 39% say they read the Bible multiple times per year or more. It's the steepest, sharpest decline on record. Okay, that's sobering. Again, not condemnational, but I wanna, I wanna challenge us as we close here. Now here's some good news. Two-thirds of people who say that they would seldom or never read the Bible expressed curiosity in the Bible this last year. Curiosity. What's up with this God thing? What's, what's up with this church thing and this Bible thing? Like, what's up with that? And a third of those answered that they were very or extremely curious. A third. Now, that tells me something. And, and if you go on on the report, they said that that statistic is growing steadily. The next awakening of God is on the horizon. There's a curiosity that's brewing. People are like, what is this life all about? What's that Bible thing about? What's this God thing and this Jesus thing all about? What's it all about? There's a curiosity. Now, here's where I want to challenge us as a church, as your pastor, and I'm right there with you. So I'm not saying like, you need to do this, I'm perfect. 66% of people are curious. Only 39% actually read occasionally. This is really important because where are those 66% going to go when they have questions about the Bible? When they have questions about God? When they have questions about life? And are we going to have an answer for them? Not me. Not me standing up here and being able to deliver a word. That's only part of it. Will you be ready? Will you carry with you the light? that you can reveal to those who are curious. My prayer for one life, and I was praying this as, as I was prepping this last week and reading the study, God, <laughs> let us not be the statistic. Lord, let one life not be the statistic. Lord, let it be said that of one life, that we are people that treasure and value the word of God and dig into the word of God and build our lives on the word of God. Lord, let it be a one life that we build everything that we are on this and that what comes out of us is the word of God, is the light of Jesus expressed through the word of God. Lord, let it be that at one life that we would not be part of those who have fallen away, but we would be part of those who are pursuing to a greater level than ever before. 
Lord, let it be of us that we would say that, God, there is nothing that can keep us away from you. Lord, let it be that, that, that when the world stands up and when the, the, the things try to pull us away and drag us in every direction and when the attack of the enemy comes, that we will be those people that would run hard after the word of God, that our anchoring and our foundation and our hope and our life is in the word of God. Lord, let it be said of us that we would be those who are ready to carry a reason for the hope that is inside of us. Lord, I pray that you would do that work in us. Father, I pray that something would awaken in each one of our lives this week. Every person in this room, myself included, Lord, would you awaken our hunger for your word, for your presence, for the Holy Spirit like never before. Lord, I pray that this would not be business as usual. Lord, that we wouldn't just go about life and glide through and slide through and do the thing that we always do. But Lord, would you awaken, awaken us to a new level. That's my prayer for us. I prayed that probably four mornings this week. Because I believe it. Guys, I believe God is going to do something so good. And he wants to use us. Will we position ourselves to be ready to be used by him? I hope you don't feel condemned. I hope that this is something that actually challenges you, inspires you, encourages you. And, and here's the cool thing, too, and I'll put this in, and then we really will close. Maybe. I will say this, too, that um, listen to what God is saying to you. Maybe he's asking you to actually pursue this in a greater level than just reading it. You know, there's some really, really cool things when you dig into what's behind the Bible and the languages of the Bible and the writers of the Bible, and the contextualization of, of what these passages actually mean. When you understand what certain books of the Bible, who they were written to, it opens your eyes so much more to receiving what the Bible is saying. And, and I would encourage you, you know, there's a ton of tools. You can come talk to me. I'll talk to you all day long about this because I absolutely love it. But if you're like, you know, I, I, I think I want to try to, what would it look like for me to go just, just a little bit deeper? Come talk to me. I've got lots of ideas. But it might be that God's calling you to a season of that, to go in just, just a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. Um, as, we, as we close, if you're here in the room or you're online, I want to tie in this light metaphor to your life. If you're here and you say, that's great, but my life doesn't have a whole lot of light in it right now. In fact, it's really, really dark. And I've tried to do all the things and I've done the self-help stuff and I've, I've, I've done all the stuff that you're supposed to and I'm still in a really, really dark place. I want you to know today that the light of the love of Jesus wants to connect with you. And he's here for you today. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ and the light of Christ hasn't come to invade your world and to blow away darkness, 
and you've been fighting anxiety, depression, fear, all this, I want to invite you today to say a prayer. The prayer, nothing magical about the prayer except it's a step of faith that begins you on a journey of a relationship with God. And, and I want to invite you to do that. If you're like, you know, I, I, I give up. I don't have, I, it, my life is really dark. I want to invite you to do that. Maybe you'd say, though, my life is pretty good. My life's good. What have you got to lose by starting a relationship with Jesus to see how much better it could be, to see what he could do in your life, to blow your expectations, to give so many surprises to your life that you're like, whoa, I never even imagined that that was possible. So if you're here today, and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to pray a very simple prayer that's going to start your relationship with him. Let's all do this. Let's all bow our heads. And, uh, and we're all going to pray this together because we're a family. We all pray this. And if you're at a place where you're like, you know what? I need Jesus. I need, I need, I need, I need Jesus. Pray this with faith in your heart. Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I confess that I've been doing life on my own I've tried to figure all this out, carried a lot of shame, carried a lot of anxiety, carried a lot of weight that I'm not supposed to. And I come and I lay it all down at your feet, at the cross, and I receive your forgiveness, I receive your salvation, and I ask you to be the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in me, And let the light of Christ come into my life and cast away every darkness that is in me. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Here's the thing. When you pray that with faith, there's something that's activated in the spirit right now. Remember I said, prayer is something we do in the natural that affects the spiritual. Your life is changed. Your sins, forgiven. Your shame, gone. And the light of Christ can now come in and start working in your life in a beautiful, beautiful, incredible way. Can we do this? Can we put our hands together for everybody that asked Jesus into their heart today in the room or online?